Welcome to the Youth Ministry Partners Podcast. This is normally the part in the show where you've just started listening and I tell you about things that you can buy or things that you can find online. And I'm not going to do that. I'm better than that today. I, I got morals or uh, like I don't like some I, I have a different idea in mind. So what we want to do, you know, if you listen to this podcast, at the end of every show, we ask our guest about sometime early in their ministry where they did something dumb and they learned like a really important lesson from it. And we think that that's a really important part of the show. We think it really helps kind of people learn that it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to learn things from your mistakes. So we want to hear about things that you did early in your youth ministry, uh, early in your time as a volunteer or a minister or something like that, where it was just, it was a bad idea and you learned a lot of, you learned a lot from it. So we want you to contact us. Tell us what your experience was. We're working on a project. We want to kind of turn this into maybe another podcast episode somewhere down the road. So you can find us uh, on the internet at youthministrypartners.com backslash contact. You can instant message us on Facebook. You can message us on Instagram. You can message us. You can send us a DM on Twitter. Um, that's at Youth Ministry Partners. Just you'll find us if you search for that. Um, we want to hear your stories. We want to hear about things that you did where it, it wasn't the greatest idea. And then you were like, I, I understand how to do youth ministry better because I did this thing and it was not smart. And we're all going to learn from each other and that's going to be fun. So this wasn't a shameless plug at all. This was a very, this was a very a nice plug. This is everybody participate. Send us your stories. You're going to enjoy the show. Have a great day. Welcome to the Youth Ministry Partners Podcast, encouraging leaders, sharing insights. We interview youth ministry experts in the field to reveal the tips and advice you need to succeed as a youth leader in today's ministry landscape. Visit youthministrypartners.com for detailed show notes and more information. And now your host, Ben Howard. Welcome to the Youth Ministry Partners Podcast. I am your host, Ben Howard. I am the lead editor at Youth Ministry Partners, and I am joined on the phone today by Todd Jones. Todd is has been in youth ministry for over a decade. He is the founder of Stoked On Youth Ministry and is also a speaker, author, and pastor. Todd, say hello to the internet, or at least like 100 people on the internet. <laughs> hello. Glad to be here, man. I'm super excited. Um, anytime I can talk youth ministry, it's like, yeah, of course. Dude, yeah. I'm excited. Well, we're excited to have you. And our, our focus for today is really going to be on volunteers and more specifically on how to give feedback or input to volunteers. So basically, like, how do you communicate with your volunteers instead of the question that everybody always asks, which is how do you get volunteers? This is once you have them. How do you know, like, make them good at volunteering? Uh, so right. one of the, the the thing I kind of wanted to start with is I always like to start with this, um, even before we get into our subject, is just how did you yourself get into youth ministry? Like, what was kind of your track and how did you get involved in that world? Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of fits perfectly. I started as a volunteer. So there you go. I had a great uh experience as a volunteer and um i grew up in a great church and for me my most cherished times 
were in youth ministry. I loved my middle school pastor, my high school pastor, and um, good friends with my high school pastor. And um, it was just, I really felt God calling me into ministry, and there's nowhere where you can have this much fun and still serve God. So I was like, man, I got to be in youth ministry. And so as soon as I graduated high school, went straight into volunteering and um, have never looked back. So when when you were a volunteer, like how old were you when you were a volunteer? Because I always I always hear that word when people talk about youth ministry, like volunteers, and I'm like, okay, so what age are we talking? Are we talking like seventeen? Are we talking people who are like fifty three? Um, how old were you yeah. when you were volunteering? Well, I started volunteering when I was eighteen, um, and I got my first full time paid youth ministry position when I was twenty two. So um, volunteered for those first couple years there and then interned uh, eventually but it's been a few years as as just you know given full-time work in a volunteer capacity man so when you and your ministry now are looking for people to be volunteers do you have like a criteria in mind or are you are you are you just anybody who comes I'm willing to accept or are you kind of looking for specific people to feel to fill specific roles yeah, well, oh man, definitely looking for for stuff um, besides just a pulse. You know, like I think that most of the time, youth youth pastors are just so desperate for anybody to help um, that they can get into situations where they might have picked the wrong person to come and be a volunteer. And um, on the other side of that, I think that the stereotype of what a youth worker needs to look like is so messed up it's so slanted because you're never going to find you know the perfect uh you know 23 year old that loves to throw a football and is very you know extroverted and can eat pizza all night and that you just don't have that stereotype all over the place and um, what i found in my ministry is that there is no age limit to being a youth worker there is no personality type i mean there is not these physical characteristics that people put on youth workers. Um, there is a right heart, though, and that's what we as youth workers need to be looking for, is not not the, the stereotype or the physical characteristics, but the right heart that they have. You know, the issue is not that the youth worker is too old, but um, maybe that they have a closed-off heart or maybe that they're not on board with mission or something like that. And so I think we need to kind of look more to that um my most faithful volunteer that i have man he's there every week um loves being with the students he's 75 years old and he's not the one throwing the football you know he's not the one um that's you know even really understanding all the cultural references but he is he loves students and it is so evident when you watch him interact like this guy loves students and um, his heart is totally in the right spot. And it's awesome to see God still using him uh, in that way, even though he's, like I said, he's 75 years old. So definitely. So one of the reasons I asked that question is because I think there's kind of this, one of the things we're going to end up getting into is how do you deal with conflict with um, and confrontation? Right with volunteers. So one of the questions I wanted to ask is how do you balance that 
that ability to let your volunteers be who they are and do the ministry that works best for them. So, you know, if it's not throwing the football or doing whatever or being active with the students and it's something else that they're more equipped to, how do you balance that with having your own your own system, your own kind of idea in mind of what your ministry should look like? How how do you right. how do you allow them to kind of embrace their strengths as volunteers while also kind of fitting into the way you want things to run? Right. That's that's huge. I mean, obviously if there's something that needs to be done, it has to be done and it doesn't matter if the person's like, well, you know, my strength really isn't working a snack bar. <laughs> You're right, but somebody needs to work the snack, right? Um, that's that's a huge one for, for all of us in, in ministry is just kind of figuring out that balance between those. Um, I think the first step is really acknowledging that everyone does have strengths that are different um, and just knowing that <clears throat> that you're going to have to fit people into uh, a role that that is the closest to to what they do. So if you do have somebody that that is like, man, you know what? I honestly, I get cold sweats before leading a small group. I just, I, I can't do it. You might want to find something else for them. But if you have a volunteer that's like, you know what? Honestly, my preference is not to do this, but I'll totally do it. You know, use them where they're willing, um, but also try to find something that is going to fit their strengths best. So if you if you have somebody who's willing to be there every week, um, but they just don't want to be that small group person, well, maybe they're the person that can run tech or they have the other person um, that can head up security team or can do something else. Um, so I would say, you know, the first is just really acknowledging that people do have different talents there people are shaped differently and that they do have different abilities so not trying to um just force everyone to be a part of you know a blanket statement of hey here's what you're all going to do um but then also you know finding something that that best works with them and i think all of these things and i think we'll probably uh come back to this a lot is really just communication is talking to your leaders, talking to your volunteers, finding out where they are, what their thoughts and their feelings are with it, explaining to them why maybe they need to, to be uh, in a role that's not their absolute favorite and how it fits into the bigger picture, um, and just really being able to open up those lines of communication with them so that they're not in a spot where they just hate it and you have no idea that they hate it, or uh, vice versa. You know, you just want to make sure that you are talking with them. You, you have open lines of communication and they're able to come to you with things as well. How, um, how often are you talking? Are you talking to them every time they show up at the building? Are you talking to them, you know, every, like every couple like weeks, let's, you know, catch up and make sure that we're on the same wavelength. Uh, how often are you kind of catching up with them more than in passing? Yeah, that's good. Um, you know, it's honestly, it, just, it can't be every week for, for most people's context. I mean, depending on your context, it can't be every week. When you have 100 students running around crazy and there's 20 leaders you got to check in with, it's not going to happen. Yeah. If you're at a church where you have eight students and two leaders, it might be a little easier to have those kind of check-in conversations. But um, I would say as often as possible. And if you are in a context where that that's just not going to happen every week, 
make it a point to, to have it happen at least once a month in some capacity. And it might be an email just checking in on them, um, depending on, on you know, the relationship you have with them. It might be just a text message or it might be a conversation, you know, on, on outside of programming when you see them somewhere else or it might be programming night. But I would say the consistency is more important than um, than the the period of time between each conversation. So it's more of like, okay, hey, you know, I checked in with you uh, a month ago. Let's let's just check in again. Hey, everything going well? You still enjoying your role? Those kind of things. But um, it, it really depends on the context because, like I said, when you have so many other things going on, you're not going to be able to sit down and go, okay, let's let's really just talk about all the things that's going on. Like, man, their students run everywhere. We can't do this right now. Um, but just staying consistent and having uh, check-in, having, you know, just just check-in checkpoints in your ministry where you go, okay, I need to go around and check-in. Um, good times to be able to at least have short check-ins with them is when you have volunteer meetings or you have leader meetings that hopefully are regular. You know, that's something hopefully you should have built into um the way that you manage the volunteers so that you are able to get that time that's just for them. And it's not like they are, um, an add on to you're already running a youth ministry and now you're trying to manage the volunteers as well. Getting some built in time for them might be perfect for, for checking in as well. So when you do those check-ins, what is some common feedback that you hear? What is some common feedback that you give to them? Like what are, what are kind of common tension points that come up when you have those conversations and those check-ins? That's good. One of the things that I try to do is I try to make sure that every time I I talk with them, um, I start and end with thanking them for what they're doing. You know, most of the time, if you're on staff, you don't, you maybe forget that people don't have to be there. You, You maybe think that they, should have as much dedication to the ministry as you do. And, and in some cases, you might have volunteers who, who have even more dedication to the ministry because they're not getting paid to be there. Um, so always, I always start with a thank you. Uh, I, I know that you're giving up your time. I know that you're here. And just letting them know how appreciated they are um, with that. And then just asking them those questions that, that give them an opportunity to be honest with you, even if it's going to sting. Um, that's one of the things that, that is, you know, a kind of a bummer about leadership is that you have to be able to deal with difficult situations and ask difficult questions, um, that might lead to uncomfortable answers. And so, uh, it takes time to build that up, but uh, I've had leaders where I've had check-in conversations with them and just said, Hey, how are things going? And they're like, you know what, honestly, I'm not really happy right now. And I'm like, Whoa, Okay. Um, can you tell me why? And either it's something they've said or something they're not feeling they, they're having the, the support from me or something, but I've had to go, okay, let's, let's work through this now. Um, and I'm glad that I was able to check in and, and have this conversation before it festered, before it turned into something else, before it spread any of those things. And so, um, I think really just building up, a uh, a, repetition with them and allowing them to go, okay, I'm coming back. So you, you know, we're going to, we're going to be talking about this and getting them comfortable with being able to share those things. And then that gets into, you know, being able to handle the criticism and being able to 
handle, um, you know, maybe someone not being super excited about the way that you're doing your ministry and allowing them to uh, see how it fits into the bigger picture. Um, what I'm not saying right here is just to allow anyone who complains to have a voice in steering where the ministry goes, um, but really being able to help them be the best that they can be inside of the mission that you have and inside of the way that you are um, reaching students and structuring your ministry. Does that make sense? It does. And and I feel like like I, I, the way I can kind of think about this is it seems like you're kind of – this is comparable to doing like preventative medicine. Like it's, it's always better if you can stop the disease before it happens than if you have to like deal with it in a crisis situation, which naturally leads to the next question of when that doesn't work, when you do get to the, the crisis situation and you do have to deal with like the, the open conflict with a volunteer or someone else who's on that team. How do you handle that situation or how have you handled that situation in the past? where there is like an open yeah, man. conflict with someone like that. Oh man, that's that's the that's the worst part. I I know I just said, you know, leadership is being able to have those difficult conversations. With that being said, they're still stinking difficult. I right? still for me they give me a pit in my stomach, but as leaders we we have to deal with those quickly and and what that looks like for me and how I've dealt with those is again having those conversations and keeping the communication open so being able to go okay i see an issue and i'm not just going to wait till it goes away i'm not just going to wait till you feel better about it or you have you're having a check-in conversation with them and they say something like yeah you know i don't really like how this is going and it doesn't it doesn't end in a conversation it ends in a i'm really not happy about this they, they're getting upset that's when the conversation can't go, okay, well, we'll talk about this later. It needs to go, okay, let's make an appointment tomorrow in my office or whatever where you're actually taking preventative measures to make this conversation happen and start talking with them. And, and this is where it's difficult is you just have to find out where their heart is. Like I, I kind of started with this, this. It's not about a stereotype of a youth worker. It's about where their heart is. The same happens in the middle of conflict and, and you got to find out where their heart is. You got to find out where they are with the mission and vision and how much they're on board and willing to change because, you know, we've all run into people who maybe have a conflict or have issues and aren't willing to actually do anything about it. They're not willing to change. They, they don't want to reach a conclusion. They just want to be angry. And you have to gauge that as you talk with these people and find out where they're at, how they're, if they're still on board with the mission, if they're still on board with making it happen. And what I found is that most times when you have these conversations where you, you really lay it out and talk to them about where they're at, where they're at with the mission, they desire to fix the problem. They desire to get to a point where they can continue to be a part of the ministry and support the mission. And usually it's a longer conversation that ends with a deeper relationship and a better leader. Um, you know, with that being said, there's obviously been a few times, not often, but a few times in my ministry where that conversation didn't, there was no conclusion to it. And I had to eventually get to a spot where we asked that leader to, um, to step down and maybe find another ministry. And it was after, um, talking to them multiple times 
and it was after talking with my senior pastor um, about the situation and getting his input and getting you know wise counsel and judgment from not only him but other friends that I have uh, in the the realm of youth ministry and just kind of getting their perspective on it. But finally, when the decision's made to say, hey, you know, it's probably not the right time, it we we base everything off of our mission and vision. So we get to the point where we go, okay, I don't feel that you can adequately support the mission and vision. And by that time, the conversations that we have had support that enough to where they agree. And um, like I said, it's only had to happen twice, twice as I can remember um, in the last 12 years. But really getting to that point where they go, they're they the ones that go, yeah, you're right. I, I can't really support the mission and vision of where this is going and, and it, it's not going to happen. So they ended up uh, stepping down and uh, still maintained a relationship with them, just not in the context of, of being a volunteer leader in the youth ministry. And, and I kind of wanted to talk a little bit more about those kind of transition moments. And, th- and even in a little bit more positive setting as well, which is, how do you know when a volunteer is ready to move on or maybe their skill set is better suited to another area or maybe their skill set is actually suited to pursuing full-time ministry or on the other hand, if they're experiencing burnout, but they're still just trying to push through it, how do you deal with kind of with helping them through that transition and also helping your students through that transition of them leaving. And I, I mean, part of, I also asked this question of, you know, you, you mentioned that you have uh, an older gentleman who's part of your volunteer team at some point, if he has to leave the ministry, how do you help your students transition away from that person who has been, who has meant so much having to leave the ministry? Yeah, man, that's difficult. That's really hard. And um, I mean, we've, we've tried to, to make sure that, um, that students have layers of, of leaders that they're with. So um, in our small groups, we try to structure it to where there's two leaders in there. Um, but relationships at any time when you got to break them off, it's difficult. And um, we encourage our, our leaders when they leave, whether they've, they're leaving because they're moving or they're leaving because they're deciding to do a different ministry or their life just isn't going to work with volunteering and everything else they have going on. We encourage them to try to keep a, a relationship with students unless they, you know, unless there was an issue that needed to, they needed to be removed because of how they were handling with students, which has never happened in my ministry. But um, we encourage them to try to keep that contact with them and just, you know, continue that relationship. I think relational ministry um, a lot of times becomes a buzzword and it becomes uh, more of a an action that we do during youth group instead of an a something that we truly embrace because if relational ministry only happens the two hours on a Wednesday night, then it's not really relational ministry. It's just forced interaction. So we want those to, those interactions and relational ministry to go outside of the youth ministry setting. Anyway, we want them to be able to really be involved in students' lives. And so we encourage them to keep that going. Um, but at the same time, just talking with students too, because they're they're going to experience that hurt and that pain of of someone leaving as well, and a lot of times students don't quite understand why um, someone would would leave. You know, they think that you know students all think that our our whole life is wrapped around them, <laughs> and 
while we do really care about them, you know, there's other aspects of our life, include our family and for volunteers, their, their paying, paying job and things like that. So, um, you know, being able to be available to students and really talk to them to help them get through that as well. And like I said, it depends on your context. So if you have a, a youth group of eight students, you're going to be more able to uh, be attentive to those things. But if you have 100 students running around, you're going to have to get some of your other volunteers um, engaged with filling in those gaps with the relationships that have left and maybe having conversations with students, helping them through the transition of someone out as well. So does that kind of answer that? I think so. And, and that actually kind of leads us into the next transition, which is, you know, we talked about transitioning when leaders leave the group. Um, the other transition I wanted to talk about is when students go from being part of the ministry to part of the volunteer team. So, how do you yeah. work with students? I mean, you said that was that was your own experience. How do you work with students who go from being a student to being a volunteer? And there's a couple of questions kind of underneath that that I'll kind of throw out as you're thinking about how to respond. One of those is, yeah, how do you keep the line clear between what's a student and what's a volunteer? And how do you make sure that the student is not... Um, how do I say this, like sticking around for fear of kind of growing out into the outside world? Oh yeah. Dude, the failure to launch, man. Yeah. That was honestly, that was me. And that's why when your choice and your decision at, you know, graduating high school is now I got to go sit in the main service where, you know, hopefully this isn't the case, but for most students, it's like, okay, that's boring. And youth group is fun. And so why would I go sit in the main service when I can just stay here and help out in youth ministry? And I'm speaking this completely on how I felt and what I did. That's why I did it. And so when I became a youth pastor, my, my first, um, one of my first rules that I put in place and one of my first like systems that I set up was you have to be one year out of, of high school to come back as a volunteer. So their freshman year of college, they weren't going to come back as a volunteer, but sophomore or, you know, if they'd been through a year, they could come back. So I, and I put that in place right away and I called that the Todd rule because when I graduated, I just didn't want to leave. And I don't think that I was perfectly fit at that point to be uh, a volunteer. And, and I think that there's a lot of students that aren't really ready. With that being said, um, I've kind of changed over the years a little bit because I think that when someone graduates, and, and their failure to launch, it's really because they want to hang out with their friends and what's comfortable. And so I say, yeah, as soon as you graduate, you can help, you can volunteer, but you can volunteer in the middle school ministry. And so we get uh, students that have just graduated high school and go back in the middle school. And I know that not every context has separate ministries um, to do that in. And, you know, I would say you really got to base it on the student and make a case-by-case decision. And if you do, have them be the ones that are actually volunteering with the freshman or maybe even sophomore or something to where they're not just like, yeah, you graduated, and now you get to hang out with a bunch of now seniors who were you know, just one year younger than you because they're all their friends. And so their, their motivation obviously isn't to do ministry. It's to not leave. Um, so we really use them in a, in a way to minister to younger students. And we, that's the way that I do it is 
to make sure that, that they're, and again, it comes with those conversations and finding out their, <clears throat> where their heart is and being able to ask them questions and, and seeing where they're at. And you can gauge pretty quickly why someone wants to help and where their heart is for ministry or for just wanting to prolong the fun. So we use them with the younger students. As soon as they graduate, they go into uh, helping with middle school ministry. And, and we've really built, that's where most of my middle school volunteers come from, our past students. And they're awesome because they've been through the ministry. They know what to do and how to handle situations. Um, they got tons of energy and they've lived the mission and vision for the last four years of their life through high school. So now they know how to implement it in the middle school. And the one other kind of touchy subject about volunteers I wanted to get into was, um, how do you work with parents who are also volunteers? Um, so kind of, and my main question with that is how do you keep them integrated as part of the whole ministry and not just part of the ministry addressing their child and how do you keep their child comfortable with the fact that their parent is around as part of that ministry? Because part of the, the fun is getting away from your parents, like in kind of getting right. to experience the whole faith journey on your own. So how, I mean, do you have parents as part of the volunteer team or no? Yeah, that's, that's a huge one, man. That's so tough. Cause you're right. Students are like, dude, I don't want my parents here. Are you kidding me? <laughs> this is my time. <laughs> um, well, that's something that we uh, we address with conversations, and I talk to students separately because I've had parents come up to me with their student right there, and they're like, "Can I help in the in the ministry?" And I'm like, "Well, I need to talk to your student away from you first, um, <laughs> and just see what they have to say and and where they're at, and um, also having that conversation with the parent too. And like I've said with with students and and everyone before, just kind of seeing where they're at because if parents and I've had parents straight up say, I want to keep an eye on my student. And I'm like, we got plenty of eyes on your student. You, you know, but I've also had other parents go, hey, I don't want to be, I don't want to step on my student's toes at all, but I want to help in this ministry. I want to help other students. I'm like, yes, absolutely. You know, that's what we want is someone who's really motivated to be a part of the ministry and not be a part of just watching their student. So again, it starts with a, a conversation and really being able to talk with the parent and with the student and seeing those lines. Um, one of the policies we have is that even if both parent and student are like, we are best friends, I still will not put that student in their parent's small group. Um, just because that dynamic, I want them to be able to have another um, adult leader that they can talk with, that they can engage with. And when it comes to topics that you really are uncomfortable with sharing in front of your parents. I want them to still be able to share. So I don't put them in small group. Um, I try to help them keep those healthy boundaries uh, within the ministry and where they're serving, even if they're you know next to each other or not next to each other, um, being able to have those boundaries. And I think that would be one of the other conversations you would have as you check up with your volunteer. Hey, you know, how are things going with you and your daughter? How are things going with you and your son in the context of our ministry? You know, just keeping out an eye for those type of things. And it might be something that down the road you go, okay, we need to kind of give your son a little bit more space or 
it might be the kind of thing where you go, this is awesome, this is great. you have any more friends that are just like you that we could come bring a part of this? Because parents are a valuable resource that many, many youth workers do not tap into and use for fear of the the parent-student connection, which, um, like I said, some of them, that's not a good good match to have in, in the ministry because their motivation isn't to do ministry, but others really should be used and, and maybe aren't being used to their full potential just because they're a parent. We've been talking with Todd Jones today about giving feedback to volunteers and how you handle you know, conflicts with volunteers. And as we wrap up today, Todd, uh, there's two questions we kind of ask uh, everyone uh, nearing the end of the show. Uh, the first one is, uh, do you have a story of something that you did early in your youth ministry where you just messed up, but it taught you like a, a valuable lesson that you've been able to kind of use in the years since then? Yeah, absolutely. I got, I got, uh, one quick one and then I got two real quick. Okay. Okay. Um, first one, first one is, is this, I, it, and it goes perfectly cause it's all about volunteers. I, I brought a volunteer on that came highly, um, recommended. It was actually our, our pastor's uh, nephew at the time. And he was going to a Bible college and everything was great. And so I'm like, man, this is awesome. I threw him right in. Um, I heard all I needed to hear from other people about him. And I put him in, in the ministry. And the first night we were there, I threw him on stage and gave him a microphone even. Asked him a couple silly questions, you know, who's his favorite superhero and stuff like that. And then I asked him, well, how did you, how did you come to know Jesus? Like, how did you become a Christian? And at that point in front of everyone in the microphone, he basically said, well, I'm just not quite sure. And, uh, I, I mean, I guess I've just always been one. I've never really had a encounter with Jesus. Um, you know, I mean, he just went through the, the non-gospel and I'm like, uh-oh, I just put him on stage in front of everyone. And, and the lesson I learned there big time, um, I mean, I had to do a quick impromptu gospel presentation and talk about how someone really comes to the Lord. It, you know, it was, it was kind of a backpedaling moment, but what I learned in that is the importance of screening volunteers and having uh, the initial conversation where you really talk through uh, those things before you get them in the midst serving, even when they come highly recommended, even when everything else in their life looks great it's still important to put them through the screening process because <laughs> your students are important and you got to make sure that you are being the shepherd to them and not allowing somebody to come in that you have not screened properly. So um, definitely big lessons with that one. Uh, the second one I think is, is more not just a, a, a single mess up or something that I've done that was a mistake. It was more of an attitude that I adapted um, after my first few years and I think a lot of youth pastors kind of fall in this trap after maybe you've seen a little bit of success or maybe you've um, started doing well and you start getting compliments. People start looking at you and going, oh, yeah, this, you know, this guy's really good. Or you spoke in the main service and everyone was like, you know, going gaga over you because you, you did such a great job. Mm -hmm. And allow the, the success, the pride, the feeling of being awesome to kind of get into your head. And, and I had about three years into ministry. I mean, I had taken a ministry of five students and turned it into 40 students at a church of, you know, 80 people. And 
it was amazing. I had it was not only getting recognized from people within the church, but other churches were calling me, going, "Hey, come be our youth pastor." And I got hired at a church that was, you know, about ten times the size of the one I was in. I mean, everything was awesome, and I got to a point where I realized that. I was walking around like I was the greatest thing in the world, and I had completely lost everything that Jesus says about how we should act, and the mind of service, and and being humble, and putting others first, and and really doing ministry for the wrong reasons. And um, I had to kind of stop stop myself and go, man, I need to take the mindset of Jesus here. I need to be humble. I need to start, you know, really looking to Him instead of to me and pointing people to him instead of to me. And so um, I think that was more of not just a mistake, but something that happened over time, and I really had to stop myself and realize that, man, my head had gotten so big, and I had been really doing ministry for totally the wrong reasons and really needed to refocus myself. So uh, I think a big trap that that many youth workers can fall into and one that I definitely fell hard into and have to had to check myself and continually have to check myself off. And so... You know, hopefully those are things that people can learn from, from my mistakes. Yeah, I think the second one is one that everyone has done at some point in time where they assumed, like, I am really good at this. And then you kind of recognize, oh, that's not the point. This is not helpful. Um, As (laughs) as we wrap up today, the last thing I always like to ask for is one recommendation, whether it's a a book, a movie, uh, a TV show, an album, anything that has been kind of helpful for you. Uh, in your faith or as you've kind of done your work, uh, what would you recommend for anybody listening to this podcast today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know. Can you recommend another podcast while you're on a podcast? You can recommend another podcast on the podcast. <laughs> as long as if you go well, on that I, podcast, you recommend our podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, I would love to be on this podcast cause it's so massive, but the, um, the podcast, that I've been listening to lately is not a, a church Christian podcast, but it is a leadership podcast and it's called the learning leader show. And the learning leader show is awesome because they bring in a bunch of people that have sustained excellence in leadership. And, uh, over the last year I've really dove into that and it's, it's been a huge help in my leadership. And I think that, uh, wherever you're at in, in youth ministry, if you're just starting or you've been in it for, you know, 20 years, I think you could learn something from just, the ideas that come forth from great leaders and how you can improve leadership. And, you know, that's one of the things that leaders need to do is continue to be learners. And that's literally the name of the show. So the learning leader show is a podcast that I recommend. Do you have a favorite episode to recommend? Oh man, there's a lot of episodes, but, uh, I can't pull one off the top of my head right now. (laughs) Not a problem. Uh, Todd Jones, thank you for being with us today. You can find Todd online uh, on Twitter at the Todd underscore Jones. You can also find him at thetoddjones.com. You can also find his writing at youthministrypartners.com backslash blog. You can find us online as well. Uh, we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Uh, you can just find us at youthministrypartners.com. Send us your emails at youthministrypartners.com backslash contact. Um, and also go on iTunes, give us a rating, give us a review, tell us if you like my dulcet tones or if you like Todd's dulcet tones, everybody has dulcet tones (laughs) in radio. Um, so thank you everybody for joining us, Todd. Thank you for coming on today and have a great week.
Thank you for joining us for the Youth Ministry Partners podcast. Remember to check out the YMP store at youthministrypartners.com and get in on the conversation at Facebook and on Twitter at YM Partners. Youth Ministry Partners. Listen, learn, and lead.